What, what happens when we're faced with an enemy that is larger than us, that is bigger than us, that is badder than us, that is tougher than us? Because that's what Jehoshaphat and his army dealt with in the early chapters of 2 Chronicles 20. You can turn there if you like. Uh, what do you do when this happens? Because he stood there and he said, God, they're too big for us. We don't know what we're going to do. Well, they, the points were that he, he sought the Lord, they asked help of the Lord, they reminded themselves of God's faithfulness, and they set their eyes on the Lord. Our eyes are on you, O Lord. Say that with me. Say, our eyes are on you, O Lord. That's a good place for them to be, amen? We talked about Hebrews 12, too, where he says he, we fix our eyes, fixing our eyes upon Jesus Christ. Uh, the author and finisher of our faith. Aren't you glad that when your faith is low, God will build your faith up? Amen? So I want to encourage somebody today that today could be your day that God ambushes your enemy. <laughs> How many would like to ambush the enemy? I, 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 man, I, I love a good Robin Hood story where they ambush the enemy. We're going to ambush the enemy today. Are you ready? Turn your Bibles, if you will, to Second Chronicles chapter 20, verse 22. I'm just going to have one verse but I am going to go verse by verse, beginning again in verse 14. But just for the reading of God's Word here today. 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 22. And when you have it, if you'll stand for the reading of God's Word, whatever form you have in the Bible. 2 Chronicles 20 and verse 22. And uh, when you have it, shout out a good amen. 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 Now when they began to sing, everybody say sing. And to praise, everybody say praise. The Lord set ambushes. Now, when the Lord ambushes you, you're ambushed. <laughs> the Lord set ambushes against the people of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, the enemies who had come against Judah, and they were defeated. Everybody say defeated. There's a mighty weapon of warfare God has given us called praise. And even when we don't feel like it, if we'll praise and sing and worship God, God will ambush the devil. Amen. Man, does anybody want to hear a message like this today? Are you ready? Heavenly Father, thank you so very much for your presence. I thank you that you are risen. You ambushed the devil on that day you rose from the grave. He thought you had you. <laughs> oh, but Jesus, you rose from the grave, defeated death, hell, and the grave, gave us the keys to the kingdom, and God, they belong to us. And so, God, I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would anoint me to speak forth your word, not in word and tongue only, but also in power and in deed. Lord, let this seed fall in the good soil of our hearts and go and bear forth fruit in our lives and anoint me to speak forth your word today, not in, in word and tongue only, but also in power and in deed. In Jesus' name, let the seed of this word fall in the good soil of our hearts and grow and bear forth fruit in our lives. In Jesus' name, and everybody said... Amen, amen. Hold your Bibles up in whatever form that you have it, and let's boldly pray and declare, Heavenly Father, today, by your grace, I'm going to be a doer of your word, and not a hearer only, deceiving my own self. Now, Lord, anoint my ears, anoint my heart, anoint my spirit, my soul, my mind, and my body. To receive the truth of your word. In Christ's name I pray. Amen, amen, amen. Air high five somebody and say praise the Lord. He's going to ambush the devil. Look to your neighbor and say that God's about to ambush the devil. <laughs> this is an unbelievably true story, but it is a true story and one that's going to absolutely... Just mess with you a little bit. While hunting deer in Northern California, a guy by the name of Jay Rathman had climbed to the ledge of a slope on a rocky gorge. And he sort of turned around to look up over the ledge and kind of look back up the mountain. And he sensed movement to his right. It was a coiled up rattlesnake that struck with lightning speed. Narrowly missing his right ear, hitting his fangs into the wool turtleneck sweater he was wearing, and his fangs got stuck, and the snake, the four foot rattlesnake, struck with such violent force that it flung 
his body from his right side, the snake landed on his left shoulder. When the snake landed on his left shoulder, it coiled around his neck. And the man, in an effort, Tom, uh, or Jay Rathman, in an effort to not get bit by this rattlesnake, grabbed the rattlesnake behind his head, kind of by the neck, and fell backwards down the slope. Down the slope, he began to slide through the shrubs and through the lava rocks, head first, feet above him, him bouncing down the hill, holding on to this snake around his neck while his rifle and his binoculars are bouncing beside him. This is a, uh, this is a hunter's nightmare is what this is. He is telling the officer and the official of the Fish and Game Commission the story as, as he gets through the end of it. And he's retelling the story. And he says, as luck would have it, he got, I, I got wedged between rocks. My feet got caught between some rocks above my head. I was upside down and could barely move. He said, my rifle kind of stuck beside me. And so with his left hand still on the snake, trying to control this rattlesnake, four-foot rattlesnake, he takes the rifle in his hand to pry the fangs out of his turtleneck so that the fangs wouldn't bite him. He could feel the warm venom sliding down his neck. He said when he managed to get the fangs loose, he's in now in a wrestling contest with this rattlesnake. And the rattlesnake tried to strike him eight more times. He said four times he could feel the nose of the rattlesnake hit him in his cheek right below his right eye. He would turn his head to try to make it a bad angle for the fangs to get him. And he said, I could four times feel the nose hit him right there without the fangs going in. He said, as I, in his own words, he said, I saw the chap eyeball to eyeball. And I learned right then that snakes don't blink. Eyeball to eyeball. Those fangs looking at him like some kind of horrible needles ready to sink deep into him. He said, the only thing I knew to do, he says, I squeezed so tight around his neck. He said that I literally choked the snake to death. He said, this battle went on for 20 minutes. And he said, when I felt like that I could, uh, the snake was dead. He said, I tried to throw the snake away because I was upside down and feeling like I was about to black out from the being upside down and blood rushing in my head. He said, I tried to throw it away and I couldn't release it. He said, I had to literally pry my fingers loose. He had held on to that snake so tight. Never once did the snake get him. Now, I don't know about you, but that's an ambush that I don't want to happen to me. <laughs> that's a hunter's nightmare. If you're watching on TV, be careful of the rattlesnakes, right? Webster defines ambush as to attack by surprise from a hidden place. We're familiar with ambushes, Robin Hood ambushing all the folks in the Sherwood Forest, the military ambushing the enemy. But we've got to define who our enemy is because in the Old Testament it was a natural enemy. But in the New Testament, we have a different type of enemy. Who is our enemy? According to Ephesians 6.12 on the overhead, you'll see, For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. I want to tell you, people that vote differently to you are not your enemy. People are not the enemy. They're being influenced by the real enemy, and that is the devil and evil spirits. People are not your enemy. The devil and demons and evil spirits are your enemy. And I want to turn your attention back to verse 14. That when they get to a place where the enemy is about to attack, in verse 14, the Bible says that the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel, son of Zechariah, the son of Benaiah, the son of Jael, the son of Mataniah, a Levite of the sons of Asaph, in the midst of the assembly. Now, last week we talked about the meanings. Jehaziel means beheld of God. Zechariah means Jehovah remembers. Benaiah means Jehovah has built up. Jael means God sweeps away. Uh, Mataniah means gift of Jehovah and Levite means joined to. I want to tell you, there is something powerful about leaving a legacy of serving Jesus and living and walking with God that is powerful. 
There's nothing greater that we can leave any of our families than that. Right? Enoch walked with God and his great-grandson Noah walked with God. And Noah had children walking with God. And David walked with God. And in 2 Timothy 1.5, Paul writes to Timothy and he says, Hey, the faith, the genuine, real, sincere faith that I saw in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, I see is in you as well. I want to tell you something. There is nothing greater than you can leave to your family than a legacy of living for Jesus of walking with Jesus, of an inheritance, of living for the Lord, Almighty Jesus Christ. Somebody shout amen. When you die and your family is standing looking down in your casket, I have a question for you. What are they going to talk about? Are they going to talk about the fancy titles that you earned? Or will they talk about how you led them to walk with God? Somebody shout amen. So, what do you need to do to ambush the enemy? I have three points today. Number Point number one is this. Are you ready? Everybody say, get ready, get ready, get ready. Okay, point number one is this. Give the battle to God. Remember, they sought God. They asked help from God. They're going to give the battle to God. Watch what the next verse says in, in 2 Chronicles 20, verse 15. And he said, listen, all you of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem. This is the Holy Spirit speaking through Jehaziel. And you, King Jehoshaphat, thus says the Lord to you, Do not be afraid nor dismayed because of this great multitude. For the battle is not yours, but I love that. That's the same thing David said when Goliath came against him. He said, hey, Goliath, he said, you yellow-bellied giant, let me tell you something right now. You come at me with sword and spear and javelin and saber, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts. And I want you to know right now, you big ugly giant, that the Lord doesn't save with sword and spear, for the battle is not mine, but is the Lord's. Everybody say it's the Lord's. Now he says right here, he says, don't be dismayed. Dismayed means to be shattered or to be broken. Poke your neighbor and say, don't be shattered or broken. That means don't be shattered or broken on the inside. Did you know that the enemy can try to intimidate you and I to a point that we get shattered and broken on the inside? What he is saying to us today is, don't be dismayed, shattered, or broken when the doctor says, fill in the blank. Don't be shattered or broken or dismayed when the bill collector says, give me some money and you have nothing to give. Don't be shattered or broken or dismayed when the kid you're praying for seems to run even harder the other way. Don't be shattered or broken or dismayed when the enemy whispers in your ear and says, the promise will never be realized. The breakthrough will never come. The healing will never materialize. You will never see your children saved. I want to tell you something. Don't be dismayed. Don't be broken. Don't be shattered on the inside because the battle's not yours. It's the Lord's. I want you to shout it out like you mean it. The battle is the Lord's. Zechariah 4, 6 tells us, Then he said to me, This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, saying, Not by might, nor by power, but by my what? Spirit, says the Lord of hosts. I want to tell you, there's some things the Holy Spirit can do that you won't even have to fight in the battle with. Praise God. Whatever you're going through today, the battle is not yours but God's. The battle's not yours, but the Lord's. The battle of what the doctor has given you a diagnosis of is not yours, but the Lord's. The battle's not yours with the insurance company. The battle's not yours with the child. The battle is not yours with what you see going on in the natural. It belongs to God. Give the battle to the Lord. Because our eyes are on you, Lord. Verse 16, tomorrow go down against them. They will surely come up by the ascent of Ziz, and you will find them at the end of the brook before the wilderness of Jerusalem. I love that. Tomorrow they're going to come against you. I'm going to tell you where they're going to be, and I want you to go down against them. I love that. Don't wait for the enemy to get to you. You go to them. 
I love it. It sounds like Matthew 16 and 18 where Jesus said that the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. Well, the last time I checked, gates don't come running. Amen. They're in a defensive stationary position. In other words, the reason why they won't prevail is because the church storms the gates of hell. I want to tell you something. If the Holy Spirit's on your side, you can storm the gates of hell with a water pistol. Glory to God. And you will come out on top. Man, I'm preaching to somebody to tell you it's time to move forward. Take your promise. Take the victory. Take everything God's given you and walk in victory. Tomorrow may be the day that God answers your special prayer. I have a question for you. What if you give up praying the day before God is set to answer? What what if you quit believing the day before your breakthrough? What if you quit standing on the word of God the day before your healing? What if you short circuit your miracle by speaking death over it? And by, by well, yeah, the day before, the day before your body conforms in the natural to what you already know the word of God says. What if that day you decide to say, well, I guess I'll never be healed. And that's it. You abort your miracle. Power of life and death is in the tongue. What if you quit praising God the day before he changes your circumstances? I've got a question. What would you do if you knew tomorrow was your day of victory? I mean, God's telling them, tomorrow is your day. Wow. Don't short circuit your breakthrough. Don't abort your miracle. Don't speak death over what God is speaking life over. Don't curse what God is blessing. Man, somebody needs to catch what I'm trying to say today. We attack our enemy through the word and through prayer and through worship. It's like David said, the battle is not mine, but it's the Lord's. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3 through 5, he clearly says, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God. To the pulling down of strongholds. Strongholds means fortresses. It means those high and lofty things that you think you can never get victory over. I want to tell you, give them a date. God gave them a date for deliverance. He said it's tomorrow. I I want you to imagine. Imagine what they were thinking. Imagine when they went home that night. Imagine when they got in their tents. And little Johnny said, Dad, what's going to happen? Well, tomorrow's our day of victory. Can you imagine if, if the wife is in the tent tending to the children and the husband comes home and she says, hey, what's going to happen tomorrow? Let me tell you what God said. God said tomorrow is our day. Little did Maria know last week was her week. Little will you know that, t- I'm telling man, I'm preaching to somebody. Can you imagine what they were feeling that night as they tucked in bed? Can you imagine the nighttime prayers with them little children? Said, oh, Lord, thank you that tomorrow is our day of breakthrough. Tomorrow's our day of deliverance. Tomorrow's our day of healing. Tomorrow's our day of salvation. Tomorrow's the day, God, you set us free. Tomorrow's the day you ambush the enemy. Can you imagine what they were thinking? Can you imagine how they slept that night? What if you knew that tomorrow was your day of deliverance? What if you knew, Tanya, that tomorrow the doctor would say, well, we can't find that cancer anymore. What if, what if tomorrow was the day that your breakthrough happened? What if God spoke to you and said, tomorrow is your day. Line up, get ready, because tomorrow what you've been praying for, what you've been believing for, what you've been thinking for is going to happen. What if God spoke to you, Tracy, and said, tomorrow is the day your children get saved and they get right with God. Man, what would you do if tomorrow, if God said, tomorrow's the day? What would you think? How would you feel? How would you sleep tonight? <laughs> Because all those wonderful things is how God wants us to act in belief of his word. What do you do to ambush the enemy? Uh, Point number two is this. Stand still in the faith. Number one, give the battle to the Lord. Number two, stand still in the faith. Shout out, stand still. 
Boy, I love this. Second Corinthians 20, or Chronicles 7, 20 and 17, excuse me. You will not need to fight in this battle. Boy, I love this. God is saying, you're not even going to need to fight in this thing. He said, position yourself in a position of victory and to receive your miracle and stand still and see the salvation of the Lord who is with you, O Judah and Jerusalem. Do not fear. Do not be dismayed, shattered, or broken inside. Tomorrow go out against him, for the Lord is what? The Lord is with you. Judah will not even be instruments in this battle. They will not even be in the fight. They will simply be spectators as to what already happened before they got there. I want to tell you there's some things that you're praying for that you're going to walk in expecting a battle, expecting a fight, expecting man the fight of your life on your hands and you're going to turn the corner and God's already done it. He's already paved the way. He's already made a way where there was no way. He's already given victory. You are more than a conqueror. Woo! Stand still and watch God work. Ephesians 6, 13 through 14 says, Therefore take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand, stand therefore. Folks, there are some times that you've done everything you know to do. You just have to stand still in the faith and say, I don't know how. I don't see it in the natural. I don't even, there's no way out. It doesn't seem hopeless. But I'm standing still in faith to know God is still on the throne, and God's going to see me through. Stand still on the Word of God and watch Him heal your body. Stand still on the Word of God and watch Him defy the doctor's facts. Stand still on the Word of God and watch Him heal your marriage. And give you wisdom to know how to solve your relationship problem. And how to save your children and deliver you from bondage. And give you peace and fill you with joy. And provide the finances needed. I want to tell you there's sometimes God does some stuff that you just go, Wow, look what God did. See the salvation of the Lord. Exodus 14, 13 says it this way. Moses said to the people, when they're faced with a Red Sea and mountain ranges on either side and Pharaoh behind them, they're, they're encircled. They have nowhere to go and don't know what to do. He said, do not be afraid. Watch this. Stand what? Still. Everybody say stand still. And see the salvation of the Lord which he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians, when you see today, you shall see them again no more forever. You're not going to see them. You're not going to deal with them again. They are a defeated foe. What do we need to ambush them? Number one, give the battle to the Lord. Number two, stand still in, in the faith. And number three, lastly, worship God. Everybody say worship God. Now, that sounds good, but I want you to see what they're doing here. This is, this is a phenomenal couple of scriptures. Everybody pay close attention. Verse 18. And Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground, and all Judah bowed before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. Jehoshaphat, all he had was a word. The children of Israel, all they had was a word. They had a word from God. They had assurances from God. They had promises to God. And their faith rose to such a level that they began to worship God. They began to bow before the Lord. Worshiping here means bow down or to prostrate oneself. Their actions spoke very loudly here. I want you to hear this. Sometimes we have to show God with our actions that we believe in Him because talk is cheap. Poke your neighbor and say, talk is cheap. Do your actions show God that you really believe His word? Every time you write a tithe check or give an offering, you're telling God and you're showing God, I believe your word. Every time you open your mouth and you praise God, you are telling God, I believe your word. Every time you pray, you are showing God that you believe his word. Every time you choose not to worry or be anxious, you are choosing and showing God you believe his word. <laughs> When you're filled with joy in the midst of horrible circumstances or in the most traumatic, toughest storm you'll ever walk through in your life, you are showing God that you believe His Word. I have a question for you. This past week, what were your actions showing God? Were they telling God, I trust you and I believe you? Or were you saying, God, you're a liar and I don't trust what you say? While none of us in here would admit that, what did our actions show God. 
It's kind of like when somebody apologizes, but they keep doing the same thing over and over. Their actions are showing you they're really not apologetic. And they have no plans on not stopping what they were doing. How many know what I'm talking about? Are you living a lifestyle like this? Are you living a lifestyle that says, God, I believe your word. Can you shout and praise God when you don't see the answer? Can you get a word from God like Jehoshaphat and bless his name as if it's already happened? Or do your actions show God that you really don't believe in or his word? Verse 19, watch this. Then the Levites of the children of the Kohathites and the children of the Korahites stood up to, watch this, praise the Lord God of Israel with voices loud and high. Everybody say voices loud and high. I want to tell you something. You can come in here on a Sunday and put your hands in your pocket and listen to the music and say, I participated in worship. But folks, there comes some times that if you're going to praise God biblically, you're going to have to open that mouth. You're going to have to lift up that voice, offer Him the sacrifice of your lips, and you're going to have to bless His holy name. You're going to have to get to a point sometimes where you don't care what anybody else thinks. Somebody say amen. I love Maria last week. She jumped up and down and twirled and shouted and danced. She didn't care what anybody thought. Why? Because it was her back got healed, not yours. I want to tell you something. There comes a point in time, folks, we got to quit care what somebody thinks. We got to shake off the religious chains and just get free and worship God. They lifted their voices and blessed His name. They stood to praise God in faith. It's called faith praise. The word right here, to praise the Lord, everybody say praise, is the Hebrew word halal, and it literally means to praise God to be clamorously foolish in your worship. In other words, you're going to worship God, you don't care what anybody thinks. You don't care if they talk about you. Listen, they're going to talk about you anyways. You may as well give them something to talk about. Listen, I don't know about you, but you ought to praise God. You ought to worship God. They actually praise God with their voices. I had somebody tell me one time, well, pastor, man, that's just not me. Don't you know people can go to a ball game and enjoy the game and not say a word? I said, yeah, but you can't praise God biblically without some form of action. Can you do that? Look, they, look what it said. They praise God with voices loud and high. Watch this. Before they ever saw a breakthrough. They did that on a word from God. Can you do that? Can you praise God based on a word from God before he gives you the victory? Can you praise God wildly when you get a scripture on healing? When the doctor's trying to put you in the grave? Before you get the victory in the natural? Can you praise God without caring what somebody thinks? When you get a one scripture that says you and your household will be saved, can you go run around this place wildly dancing before God? And somebody say, what are you dancing about? Because God said, me and my household shall be saved. I mean, can you? Can you get one scripture that says, 1 Peter 2, 24, that by his stripes I was healed and shout and dance and run as if it's already done? Could you do that? Because that's what they did in the Bible. Woo! Can you praise God with reckless abandon when God speaks through his word one verse that said he'll provide where you got bills in one hand and no money in the other. Can you praise God anyways and say, God, I thank you for Philippians 4.19 that says he'll meet my needs according to your riches and glory. And it's already done. It's called faith praise. Can you do that? Because that's what they did. Can you praise God before the miracle? Before you see the breakthrough. Verse 20 says, So they rose early in the morning. They went out into the wilderness of Tekoa. And as they went out, boy, I love this. Jehoshaphat stood and said, listen to what Jehoshaphat said. He said, hear me, O Judah, and you inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord. Everybody say believe. I'm going to point out three words right here and define them for you. Everybody say believe. 
Believe in the Lord your God and you shall be established. Everybody say established. Believe his prophets and you shall prosper. Everybody say prosper. So watch this. He says believe. Believe here means support, to stand firm, or to trust. In other words, put all you got in God. He said, and when you do, you will be established. Established here means to be carried or carried by a nurse. In other words, you are carried in the midst of a storm. You are carried and you are protected. He said, if you'll put, man, I'm speaking to somebody. He said today, if you will put your trust in me, God is speaking. God has said, if you'll put your trust in God, he will carry you like a nurse carries a baby. And if you believe his prophets, if you believe the word of God, guess what he said? He said, you will prosper. Prosper here means to advance, to go over, or to succeed. Man, I'm preaching to somebody. That same word that was spoken 2,500 years or more ago, guess what? It applies today. Brothers and sisters, those of you watching online from your couch, if you'll put your trust totally in Jesus Christ. He'll carry you and you will succeed. You will walk in victory. You will get your miracle. You will get your breakthrough. Does anybody believe the word anymore? Verse 21, and when he had consulted with the people, he appointed those who should sing to the Lord. Have I say sing? And who should praise the beauty of holiness as they went out before the army and were saying... Praise the Lord for His mercy endures forever. I love it. He said, we're going to send the praisers to the front lines. Now, that don't sound like much to you. But that'd be like the Navy saying, we're going to do it different today. We're going to send a Navy band out in front of the Navy SEALs. The SEALs are taking up the back because they're not going to need to fight today. We're going to let the band go out. I bet they didn't have a lot of people signing up for this choir assignment. Anybody want to join the choir today? We're going to put you in the front lines and head right to the enemy. <laughs> no, I don't think I feel like singing too much today. He is showing God his total reliance. Verse 22. Now when they began to sing and to praise, everybody say sing. Everybody say praise. I love this. The Lord, everybody say the Lord, set ambushes against the people of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir who had come up against Judah and they were defeated. Sing. Are you ready for this? It says, when they began to sing. Everybody say sing. You know what it means? A ringing cry. A proclamation of joy and trumpet. Triumph. How many of you can give a ringing cry in the midst of your circumstance? How many of you, when the doctor says it don't look good, you can give a ringing cry of praise to God in the midst of it all? How many of you, when you're praying for your child and they look like they're going the wrong way, you can give a ringing cry of praise to God anyhow? Man, I'm preaching to somebody. This comes before the battle and the victory. It's called faith praise. Everybody say faith praise. It says, and they began to praise. Praise means tehillah here is the Hebrew word tehillah, which means to sing and to praise God with the mouth. When they began to praise God, when they began to sing to the Lord, the Bible says that the Lord ambushed the enemy. Ambushes here means to lie and wait, to ambush or to lurk. Listen, your faith praise will cause God to ambush the devil. We got way too many believers that are worried about the devil ambushing them. If we, we need to know is when we begin to come in here like this on a Sunday and we praise God and we worship God anyhow no matter if we feel like it no matter if we're up to it and we praise God anyhow we are releasing the Lord to ambush the devil in our behalf somebody shout amen, amen. Woo! so verse 23 the people of Ammon and Moab stood up against the inhabitants of Mount Seir to utterly kill and destroy them and when they had made an end of the inhabitants of Seir they helped to destroy one another man God confused the enemy messed them all up they devoured one another and Israel just walked in and said wow look we didn't even have to fight did you know you don't have to fight when they got there everyone was dead no one escaped Judah never saw the battle. They just saw the end result of victory. Man, under the power of the Holy Spirit, I don't know who I'm preaching this to. Maybe somebody online. It may be somebody here in person. But I want to tell you something. When you begin to praise God, you won't even see the battle. You'll just walk in the victory. All you'll do is walk in and see the results of what God has done. Somebody say amen. 
We may not see the battle, just the end result of victory. We may not see the war, just the victory that God gave us. Somebody shout glory! Romans 8.37 says, Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. Somebody say, well, I'm more than a conqueror. Watch this. I know I've said this before. I don't know how long ago it's been, but I felt like I should say it again. What does it really mean to be more than a conqueror? Well, a great illustration of what it means to be more than a conqueror was years ago when Evander Holyfield defeated Mike Tyson for the, uh, the, the championship of boxing for the first time. He had gone toe-to-toe with Mike Tyson. He had won. He got in the shower. All the people went down the street to a ball in his honor waiting on him. He was beaten down. He was bruised. He was hurting. He was tired. He won, but he was beat up. He got a shower. He got dressed. Put on his nice suit and tie. He got walked out the red carpet. Into a limousine, they carried him down to the end of the block where the ball was in his arm. The red carpet was there. He got out, man, they're all champ, the champ, the champ. He walks in kind of gingerly because even though he won, he's still been in a battle with Mike Tyson. He took blows, he took body punches, he took face punches. He was hurting, he won, but he was hurting. He walked in just before he got in the limo. They handed him an envelope with a check for over $10 million. He put it in his coat pocket. He walked into that ball in his honor. Lights from cameras are flashing everywhere. People are hiring the champ, the champ, the champ. He walks over to his wife. He gives her a kiss. Reaches in his pocket. Pulls out that envelope and hands her that check for $10 million. Folks, she was more than a conqueror. She didn't get in that ring and fight. She didn't get up at 4 o'clock in the morning and train 12 hours a day to get in that ring. She didn't take punches from Mike Tyson. She didn't take body blows. She didn't take face punches. She didn't work all year long to get in there and win that battle. All she did was be in right relationship with the champ, and she reaped the benefits. Man, I'm preaching to somebody. I want to tell you something. Jesus has already won the war. He already took the body blows and the face punches at Calvary. His blood already ran down. He has done all he's going to do. All you've got to do is be in right relationship and reap the reward. Woo! It's already done. We are more than conquerors. Man, if that don't make you want to shout, I'm not sure what will. So verse 25, Jehoshaphat and his people came to take away their spoil. They found among them an abundance of valuables on the dead bodies, precious jewelry which they stripped off for themselves, more than they could carry away. They were three days gathering the spoil because there was so much. Man, Jehoshaphat prayed, God... Just deliver us. God, we need you to do something. God, we need somehow to survive this. We need you to help us. God said, not only are you going to survive. <laughs> not only are you going to bridge hope, make it through 2020. Not only are you going to survive that doctor's report. Not only are you going to survive coronavirus, whoever was watching me. Not only are you going to survive the bankruptcy. Not only are you going to survive the relationship problems. But when I'm all said and done, not only will you survive, you'll carry off and loot the devil over this. Amen. Oh, man, I'm preaching to somebody. Thank you, devil. I'll take that. I can just see him all day. Oh, thank you. And they're coming home with bags of goodies. And he comes home and the wife's going, wow. And the kids are going, wow. And he says, daddy's got to go back. There's so much I can't get it in one loot. He goes back, comes back with barrel loads. Well, goes back, comes back with more. Goes to bed and says, well, I got more to get. Three days of this loading up their tent with all the loot from the devil. Man, I'm preaching to somebody. Thank you, devil. I'll take that that. You had my loved one, but now they belong to the Lord. Thank you, Lord God. I'll take that and receive it. Amen. Devil, you had me sick, and the doctors already put me in the grave, but now I'm healed. Thank you, God. I'll take that. You had me, devil, laying awake all night with Xanax and sweating bullets, but now I sleep in peace. Thank you, Lord. I'll take that. Devil, you had me broke Busted and disgusted. But now I've got more than enough. Oh, thank you, Lord. I'll take that. 
devil, you had me under a cloud of depression. I wouldn't leave my house. Didn't want to see nobody. Didn't even want to live. But now I've got the joy of the Lord in my heart, which is my strength. Thank you, Lord. I'll take that. Man, is anybody hearing what I'm saying? They couldn't carry it away at once. Three days of spoils. Listen, God wants to bless you for your trouble. He wants to ransack the enemy to bless you. In verse 27 through 30, I'm going to just go all the way down to the last verse and close with this. The Bible says, then the realm of Jehoshaphat was quiet. Everybody say quiet. Quiet means tranquil, at peace, and undisturbed. You know that the enemy tips his hand. I need you to hear this. When the enemy throws a 2020, look out because a 2021 Jesus throws. It's kind of like a woman nine months of pregnancy. They don't like it. They're sick. My wife, all three of our babies by nine months, get this thing out of me. That's what she said. And I wanted that thing out of her too. <laughs> but a funny thing happens when that baby comes in the world. They forget about all the pain. They forget about all the sickness. They forget about all the trouble. And they rejoice with the beautiful life that they hold. So dear, man, I'm preaching to somebody. I'm telling you under the prophetic voice of Almighty God, when this stuff is over, the devil's throwing all kinds of hell and and he is causing all kinds of problems on people across the world, across America in 2020. He is tipping his hand because God's about to do something to blow our minds. God's about to ransack the devil. I'm telling you, I've come to preach to somebody. God's about to release an anointing and a revival. I believe a great revival and a great awakening is coming to this world. The devil's tipping his hand with 2020. You just wait till we get on the other side of this and collect all the rewards and the spoils of our lost children coming home, our healings being manifested, our joy returning. It said everything was quiet. They collected all the spoils. It said everything just quieted down. And then it said, and God gave him rest all around. Rest here means to settle down or remain. God said, when I'm done, you're going to collect and ransack the devil in hell and loot the enemy. And I'm going to give you a season of rest. You know, the end of Acts tells me, and I've been praying that when Paul got to Rome, Paul had a couple years undisturbed and unhindered. Ministry in Rome. That's what I'm praying. Unhindered ministry for Bridge of Hope for the next couple of years. So I don't know. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. And I want you to ask the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, what are you speaking to me through this message today? What are you quickening in me? What are you telling me to do? By now, I'm sure during this message, something quickened in you. Something just exploded in you. Something said, that's it. That's what the Lord is speaking to me. Is it to put your trust, your total trust in him? Is it to praise God? Well, I know this is crazy, and we don't have singers, and I don't want singers. I, could, you, could you praise God before you see your miracle? Could you praise God before your children come home? Could you praise God before the doctor says, well, it's gone, you're healed? Could you praise God before the marriage is healed? The relationship is restored? Oh, 
if that's you, I want you just right in your living room, if you're watching me online right now, just right in your living room, begin to praise God. Come on, somebody begin to praise God right now. I feel this. You don't need somebody to sing you a song. You sing your own song. Could you give God a ringing cry? Can you lift up your voice on high? Can you loudly praise the Lord? you before I see the victory. I praise you before I see the answer prayer. I praise you before I get the answer. I praise you before the miracle manifests. Oh God, I praise you for your word is true. Come on, come on, praise Him. Come on, praise Him. You praise God that God's ambushing the devil right now. Come on, right in your living room, right in your car, wherever you're watching, just begin to praise God loudly. Let God ambush the devil in Jesus' name. Reinhard Bonnke one time went into a crusade there in Africa and he didn't know this till afterwards but he walked up and the first thing he did from the pulpit was shout out hallelujah and after the service was over some witches came up to him and said man some witches and witch doctors and they said we put a curse on you tonight Said, we were coming to get you. We were going, you didn't even know it. Said, but when you walked up to the pulpit and you shouted out hallelujah, it threw us all into confusion, and some of us got saved. Hallelujah. Come on, can somebody shout hallelujah? Come on, I want you to stand to your feet and shout out hallelujah. Come on, all over this place, we're closing now in prayer. Come on, we're not praying, we're praising. Come on, praise Him for your miracle. Come on, shout hallelujah. The more you praise, the more God will confuse the devil. He's trying to trap you and ambush you, and you're ambushing him now. Come on, bless his name. Praise him before you see it. Praise him. Praise him. Praise him. Hallelujah. of God to praise the Lord. Come on, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Lift up your voice and bless His name.
I'll tell you, if you'll continue to do this all week long, you may not even see what's going on until one day, you, it could be tomorrow, you step in and you go, wow, look what this happened. Look what just took place. Look what God did. Hallelujah. You know, there are times that we have altar calls. There are times that we have special prayer times. But then there are invitations. Here's the invitation I feel like from God. I need you to hear this. I feel God challenging us all week long. Instead of praying for the miracle, praise God for the victory already. Praise God that He's already answered it. Praise God that it's already done. Praise God in spite of what it looks like. Man, I'm, I feel under the anointing and unction of the Holy Spirit. Praise God, folks. Not just in here on Sunday, but all week long. When it looks like the circumstances look bad, praise Him. When the circumstances look good, praise Him. When it don't know what to praise Him. Just praise God for the answer prayer. Praise God He's already done it. Somebody shout glory. shout hallelujah three times and then we're going to be dismissed. Are you ready? When I count to three I want you to shout it. We're going to shout it once. Then we're going to shout it a second time. Then we're going to shout it a third time. Are you ready? On the count of three. One, two, three. Hallelujah! Hallelujah!